All right, everybody, welcome back to the Heath Barn. Hope that we've all had a lovely day. This is episode 110, titled, Your Voice of the Fighting Illini, Brian Barnhart. Earlier today, my wife and I went up to Champaign, and I had the honor and the privilege to have Brian Barnhart as a guest on the podcast. We talk about all kinds of things. We start, uh, well, we, we start, we go all over the place, but we talk about his childhood and some of his memories he has at the Assembly Hall slash State Farm Center. We kind of talk about some about him overcoming his shyness to become one of the best broadcasters that there is. We talk about what led him to Anaheim to be the radio voice of the Anaheim Angels. And then we talk about what brought him back to Champaign. And then after that, once we get to Champaign, that's all I'm giving you in the preview. Once he gets back to Champaign... Then the rest of it, you just got to listen to it. We do all kinds of stuff. We go through all kinds of fun stuff. But I know that there are a couple questions he has never been asked before. But he was amazing. I did my best. You know that I am not a trained interviewer. This is not, you know, so I'm doing my best. And I was kind of a fanboy. You know, I was a little bit like, oh, man, I'm here with Brian Barnhart. So, so I was a little nervous at first. But I started off a little nervous. Got going. I think I was fine, but just listen to him because he was amazing as always. He's the best. Uh, I want to thank him for coming on. Um, he was amazing, and he is the voice of the Fighting Illini, and we love him. So, thank you very much, Brian Barhart, for coming on. Thank you all for listening, and hit it. everybody welcome back to the heath barn in this episode i am extremely extremely excited the voice of the illini mr brian barnhart is here thank you so much for doing this oh you're very welcome yes this, yeah. this is awesome um <laughs> i have a lot of questions but before we start uh what'd you think of the game last night uh, the game was one of the most unique ones I've seen in recent years. Uh, right. I, in fact, it turned out Illinois, uh, it was the highest scoring, first time they'd have scored 100 points yes. in a Big Ten game in regulation in 30 years. That was the start. Right. I, I figured it was further back because I'd been doing the games, I've been doing the games 22 years now. I don't remember anything mm-hmm. in a Big Ten game in regulation. Yeah, uh, we had a game at Rutgers that went three overtimes. That was I think that was a Malcolm s- Hill game one. Anyone he had, he had a lot. Something like that. Yes, I it believe. was uh, it was a very high scoring game. Both teams were in the hundreds on that particular game. Right. But uh, but last night uh, for a Big Ten game in late February, that was unusual. I agree. Yeah. I I felt like I'm, I'm trying to think. I saw something today, and I don't want to mess up the stat, but it was something along the lines of it was the first time a team had shot seventy percent from two. 60% from three, had five turnovers or less and lost, I think. And lost by eight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Minnesota, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, it was – and just before we get started, though, the fan hat for a second. I mean, I I, I love this team a lot, but I feel like, uh, man, you know, they've got some stuff to tighten up defensively. But, you know, just outscoring teams. Because I remember the Iowa game, you know, people were saying uh, – well, they looked a lot better defensively, and I was thinking, well, they still gave up 85, you know, so there's yeah. there's some things to tighten up. But, uh, yeah, I, I hadn't seen a game like that. I couldn't, I can't remember the last time. I mean, like I said, to, it was just an NBA score, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and really a low NBA score. Right. Oh, yeah, these, yeah, these days, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I feel like it's just kind of all going this direction. Yeah. Because the NBA's, you know, yeah. with uh, defensively with them as well. But, um well, I'll start here. Uh, I have seen you on other things, and I want to. We'll get through how you uh, came, you know, your life and starting out, things like that. But um, first of all, you said uh, I saw where you uh, lived in Tolono and um, grew up on a farm. I did. Yes. Yeah, west of Tolono, two miles west. Uh, it was right there by the interstate, basically. Gotcha. It wasn't quite in our backyard, but it was fairly close. Yeah. Um, and uh, grew up on the farm there. We, we you know, all the how usual were, how things. Were you, how were you on the farm? 
Oh, it was it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was uh, a lot of hard work, a lot yes. of early mornings. Yeah, um, I think the work ethic you learn on a farm is carries over in life a lot. Definitely, uh, for sure. And uh, you know, we uh, we didn't have a lot of money, but we made enough. You know, my dad made enough. He worked yeah. a couple of jobs. He farmed. Uh, he worked at night as a janitor at the University of Illinois. You know, really? he basically supported the family doing that. We had five kids total huh. uh, in the family. So, um, but it was you know hard work and dependability and show up on time and all those things you kind of right. learn being on a farm. Yeah, my dad farmed as well, uh, and I was more of a gopher. I had an older brother that was four years older than me, so he did. My dad never let me. Uh, Operating machinery more than like a lawnmower, which was, which was good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, but I I was more of a gopher. But I um, I don't know if I enjoyed it, but I never had interest in that being, you know, what I did or anything. I just wanted to play ball all the time and stuff like that. And Dad was, he that's what he wanted me to do. But mm-hmm. I was fine. I mean, I I did what I could, but borderline liability at times. I would say just from <laughs> kind of like what I was telling you with this technology, same thing with like uh, yeah. machinery, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, but we, um, my mom's first grade teacher, dad was a farmer and that's how we, you know, yeah. and I got youngest of four and everything. So yeah. But, um, what's, uh, so when you were there, I know you said you went to a bunch of Illinois games growing up and mm-hmm. everything. Uh, I remember, you know, when you're young, I don't know if you had the same kind of feeling, but, um, kind of similar to going to Cardinal games. I mean, I'm a Cardinal fan. Like growing up, when you first time you see the arch, when you're going down, when you're on 70, you know, it's the same kind of thing when you're young and you see the that big white bubble, you know, when you're pulling up, getting close to the stadium. I don't sure. know if you felt that same way. Sure. But, uh, do you have any memories, and not the obvious ones, you know, like like Eddie Johnson, you know, the last second. Mm-hmm. Do you have any little like other kinds of uh, memories that stick out? Uh, Going to the assembly hall. Now it's State Farm Center, obviously. Yeah. But assembly hall when you were when you were young. Well, we had uh, my dad had season tickets uh, probably late '60s mm-hmm. if, after the assembly hall had opened. Yeah, started way up in C section, a few rows, and he kept moving down. He right. eventually got into the second row of B. Yeah, on the north end. If you look at you're running off the court in the tunnel at the north end to be up to the left slightly. Yeah, it's kind of where those. Seats are now the special dining, right? Yes. Uh, what the club seating, I think they call it, or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, that's where we sat, and so we sat in those same seats for years. Right. Um, and we had two tickets. He had two tickets, and uh, he would take one of us kids. We rotated. Um, I, being the oldest, usually got the choice of which games I wanted to see. Yeah. And so I'd choose Indiana or Purdue right. or you know the the games you wanted to see and leave the uh-huh. the other ones to my uh, brothers and sister you know yeah. to kind of choose from. So that I guess that was the perk of being the oldest. But so you're the oldest of uh, five. Really? Yeah, the sure. oldest of five. Yeah. Um, and so and, and going to games and and uh, there was um, Bob Wright who was the old uh, coach at one time played at Illinois. Of course, John Wright and yes, senior and junior, and then of course uh, John Paddock who had the. Uh, the touchdown passes <laughs> this last year, right? Kind of that whole family, but the Wrights used to sit in front of us. I remember that, huh. and uh, I also remember that um, we would often not park in the paid parking lot. We'd park at the hog barns, which are yes. where the where the research park is now, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd park down there and run to the games before and after the games run. I remember running out from the assembly hall, right, in the cold, yes, uh, with my dad. Uh, to our car yeah yeah <laughs> i um i got lucky when i was little because my one of my older sisters uh went to, uh, we went to shiloh she played for shiloh and they made it to the class a like the high school girls made it to the final four all four years she was in high school so she got to play 12 games at the assembly hall in high school you know so i you know very lucky to go there and just watch uh, mm-hmm. her growing up and i also remember uh her coach this was right in the thick of the flying Illini and I'm not sure if he gave me a guest pass or something that part I don't remember but he waved me down and let me go down in the locker room and see like the uh the only mm-hmm. locker room you know with Anderson you know so I'm looking at Anderson and Battles locker and all those guys yeah so, yeah so it was that's really pretty cool. cool but I do uh it's a great place I mean I love it but um okay so we let's moving on here so you um said that you are a history major correct I was and yeah um I know I saw something where you said you were uh, shy and things like that. Like Very much up. so. Yeah. Yep. And 
uh, I was kind of curious because I get that. And I also, is it something to where when you start doing something, just the more you do it, realize you're good at it, you're, you gain your confidence, mm-hmm. and then the shyness just kind of goes away? Yeah, no, that was yeah. entirely it. Um, yeah. Part of it was at uh, Liberty University where I went to college. Right. Um, I was a history major at the start. Yeah. And uh, very introverted, very shy. Yeah. And uh, the, the thing that appealed to me when I kind of got into radio, because I had a friend of mine who kind of got me into it, asked me to help him out. He was doing some games for, the I think, the Liberty Women. Yeah. Um, One question and, about that yeah. real quick. You said mm-hmm. that – okay, I can't remember what his name, but you said he, his goal was to call North Carolina – games for North Carolina. That's right. Okay, now yeah. what uh, – I mean, I don't want to – where did he end up uh, going with his – he, well, he wound up uh, – he didn't wind up doing North Carolina because uh, Woody Durham did those games right, for a yeah. long time. And his son, Wes, uh, is a well-known sportscaster. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another guy who's doing the, the Tar Heels now. In fact, when we played North Carolina in the championship game, Woody Durham was still doing the games. Yes. So gotcha. that was, you know, how many years later. Right. But he did uh, he, he did some TV work for the Liberty Flames Network. He did some other work for some regional yeah. uh, sports networks in the South. But um, never did get to be the voice of the Tar Heels. Yeah. So. Well, that's – yeah. But um, <laughs> so whenever you were uh, – when you first started doing it, um, I was going to talk about being shy too because that's one where uh, I think people need to understand that too. It's like because there are a lot of people out there. Like I even think of – not to talk about us, but like – you know, good example. Like last night, when I when I'm at home and my son's seven years old, he's pretending he's plays for Illinois. He's playing the whole time. He's dancing. He's shooting. He's doing all this. But you get him around people, and it's just you know, yeah. not you know, nothing. So <laughs> I worry about him. I mean, I'm I'm not worried. As a parent, I worry because it's like he's he's so young. I mean, he'll get grow out of it. But uh, I need to use you as an example because it's like he he needs to understand that uh, if you've got if you're good at something. If you, you got to let people know or they're never going to yeah. find out, you know. So uh, I was just wondering. So that took – how long did that take? Like, okay, let's say you start calling games at Liberty. Mm-hmm. How long mm-hmm. do you really feel like it took before you felt uh, completely over that and just, you know, completely mm-hmm. confident? I would say within within a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that helped me, the, the, A, the thing that attracted me to doing the radio was that I could be heard and not seen. Right. That was part of it. That's uh, one thing. I, I, I never was really interested in TV because that was they see you. Right. Now, as it turned out, I did wind up doing some TV as like, my career went along. And it, even, even it took a while, even after I'd done radio for a lot of years, mm-hmm. to feel comfortable enough on TV. Yeah. Even though in a general sports cast of a game, you're not on TV more than a minute and a half right. yeah. or two. But it still took a little getting used to yeah. uh, to do that. But, it, you know, once – uh, once I was able to get on and do it, and like you said earlier, you know, I, I felt comfortable doing. I got some confidence. I mm-hmm. said, "Hey, you're pretty good at that," right. you know. And yeah. then it kind of grew from there. I had some other people who told me I wasn't very good at it, well. <laughs> so that was a little discouraging at this <laughs> at the start. But I uh, but I had no concept of yeah of how long it might take to kind of figure out what you're doing and mm-hmm. then do it well. Do you have your first uh, game you ever called? Do you? First game, I don't know if I get the first game. I've got some early work on cassette tape, right? You know, yeah. from forty years ago that is in a box somewhere. If you listen to it now, would you think? I mean, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't recognize it. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I had some of these a um, few years ago. I took out some of the tapes and was going through them and kind of uh, reorganizing them. And yeah, and uh, my daughters who are now in their twenties, but uh, when they were little, younger, uh-huh. you know, I would play that for them, and they were like. That's not you, Daddy. Right. That's not you at all. And yeah. it was like, well, I could see why because yeah. it didn't sound anything like right. it. So, um, okay, I have questions too about one thing I did not know is um, you. If you want to give a brief explanation about how you got to this point, but um, how did you get to Anaheim? And then I got mm-hmm. a couple of questions about your time there because that I had no idea that you did MLB <laughs> games, and that's that's amazing. So yeah. yeah. Well, um, when I was at Liberty, I got into the, the on the campus station. Yeah. And then uh, there was a church, the station, the church had a station there too on campus. So I did work for both. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Edwards was the guy that hired me. He did the was the play by play voice for the Liberty Flames for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was an NAIA school at the time and pretty small. Yeah. And so you had lots of opportunities if you wanted to get on the air. You just did it, even if you were bad at it or you didn't know what you were doing. They were mm-hmm. like, you know, go for it. So. Right. 
so I was on there, and then I, I wound up graduating, uh, I guess, in '86. Um, worked for the went to work for the Lynchburg Mets, which was a single A team for the New York Mets. Okay, now that process, so that's you're just chucking stuff out to to anybody, you know, just sending out, sending out your tapes and just seeing if what sticks. Pretty much. Yeah, that, that was more a case of I had uh, my buddy and I. We, we had done play by play. They wanted some students, a couple of students on, this is going back to the beginnings of cable TV, but uh, Cox Cable, I think it was, in, in Lynchburg, needed a couple of student announcers to, yeah. you know, to do some, um, you know, some basketball for them. Mm-hmm. And so, well, the director of the department at Liberty said, well, i got a couple guys that'll do it. So, you know, no money at all, but right. they'll do it. And so through that, the guy that produced those games for the cable company um, knew that um, I had done some play-by-play, and so then they were looking for, uh, with the Lynchburg Mets, they were looking for someone to be kind of a backup announcer. Yeah. They had hired another guy to do the play-by-play, and they wanted somebody to, like, A, run the board for the commercials, mm-hmm. and B, to be on the radio broadcast when the other guy had to go do TV. Right. Because they had about 25 TV broadcasts. And I had done a few TV broadcasts, like my junior year in college. Yeah for them so we kind of got it was more of a I got an opportunity with my friend Mike and then they needed a baseball guy and he wasn't interested in baseball that much yeah so I did some on the uh, cable TV and then I also wound up the next year being hired by that same class a team gotcha because they knew me I guess I should backtrack backtrack a smidge Mm -hmm. so is your uh that was all baseball right okay um because uh so were you calling – when did you start calling basketball? Did you call basketball at Liberty as well, or was it just all baseball? Or was it was it- uh, basketball, women's games, gotcha. some of those. Um, I filled in a couple of times on the Liberty Flames network that, yeah. that Jerry Edwards did. I filled in a couple of men's games. Did you always feel just comfortable? Was there a sport that you felt more comfortable calling right out of the gate, or was it just you're good with – Probably ba- I was good with any of them, but baseball was my initial – my initial first love, I guess, yeah. because I had done some work in Lynchburg right. with the single-A team there on TV. And then, uh, you know, doing the basketball I thought was something I could catch on to pretty quick. Football was – I didn't do any football till I really basically got out of college. Yeah. Uh, there was some high sc- – a couple of high school teams. There's, there's two big high schools there were at the time, E.C. Glass and Heritage High School. Mm-hmm. And E.C. Glass had one broadcaster, and I did the games for Heritage, which was the other – high school team in town but I hadn't really done any high school football before of any kind yeah and so I did that right after college just to make some money right huh. you know right after I graduated well, you wouldn't be able to tell like, yeah <laughs> what you do it now but um well I had no clue what I was I had no clue what I was doing yeah but as long as they don't know yeah that's right that's right, that's right. <laughs> so did you um okay so then let's talk about how you got to Anaheim mm-hmm. okay so well I went from uh, Lynchburg then uh the single a team for the for the Mets and then the there was a single-A team in Roanoke, Virginia, in Salem, which was the Pirates' single-A team that they hadn't had a radio broadcast before. Yeah. And there being an hour from Lynchburg, they knew the staff, the general manager at Lynchburg, and they said, hey, do you know anybody that we could hire uh-huh. to start our radio broadcast? And they said, yeah, we got a backup guy here. So I went and interviewed for it, and I got it. Yeah. So then I was there for a year. And in the meantime, I sent out, and we won the league championship that year, which was a lot of fun. Right. And uh, they, one, get, they get to hear you calling right. important Making right. important calls and things right. like that. And yeah. so 140 games and, um, you know, doing the games every night. Uh, most nights I was by myself. Some nights I had a color guy mm-hmm. who was with me, who's Dan Bonner, yeah. who was on CBS yeah, with I, yeah. the, the March Madness games. He still, games. Does, he still, does, he still Madness. does it. Yeah, he, was, he, he lived in Virginia, and he was hired by them to work with me too huh. on some of the games. So we would trade off innings or, you know. Right. And so – I got to know Dan that way, and we're still friends to this day. So, so that's a lot of fun, and he's been doing a lot of CBS games. And I sent out a bunch of tapes to different teams, um, and I got a little nibble from Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. uh, the AAA team for the Rangers. I didn't know they were looking, but I got a nibble, and they said, hey, come on out for an interview. Yeah. And um, I got interviewed, and I got the job. That's awesome. And so I, did, I wound up moving to Oklahoma City in 1988. 88's when that was. Yeah. And then I worked for them for the next eight years. I was a play-by-play. I did um, work. I did some media relations for them. I did a little bit of everything. Huh. But I only worked from April to September, and then I had to figure out something right. else to do each year. And I was year to year basically. 
Yeah. You know, no benefits, no contract, nothing. <laughs> that's that's how, okay. That's yeah. Right, yeah. And so I did, but I did that for about eight. In the meantime, uh, it was about eight or nine years, uh, and uh, interviewed for some other jobs along the way and didn't get those. And and so then um, worked with Oklahoma City until 1994. The guy that owned the team at the time was a guy named Jeffrey Loria, mm-hmm. who wound up owning the um, the um, Miami Marlins, Florida oh. Marlins oh, yeah, yeah, at okay. the time. He and they yeah, they, yeah, they, they won a, name, they won yeah. a World Series with him. So I yeah, they'd, they'd win one that they'd rebuilt that they'd yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah I know yeah they tear it down they build right. it back up. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was our boss. He owned the team in Oklahoma City. So I worked for him uh, for you know a few years down there. So I got to know him. I'd sent out tapes in the mean in the off season. I would do. Oh, uh, minor league hockey. There was a minor league hockey team in Oklahoma City. I was, what was that like? Do you know? uh, it was really fast. <laughs> yeah, it was I, really I, fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I did that. I was a backup announcer on that, so I got to travel all over the – you know, they had teams in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and Memphis, and um, Dallas, Texas, and yeah. a couple of teams – one team in Fort Worth, and Wichita, I think, had a team. And so you'd bus everywhere, and you'd do hockey games. Mm-hmm. So that so that was fun. I did uh, small college basketball and NAI level Oklahoma Baptist, which was uh, in Shawnee, Oklahoma, about an hour from uh, Oklahoma City, and uh, I did their games for a few years mm-hmm. in the off season. Um, I did high school football uh, in Shawnee, Oklahoma, play by play in color. So I did a lot of. I, I had to. I right. had no choice. I had no other income. Right. And so I. I was scraping together, you know, twenty-five a game here, fifty bucks a game there. Huh, yeah. Um, I did that, and then I'd go back to the baseball every year. Right. Um, and then I continued to send out tapes. Um, I, I've got a stack at home, a couple inches thick of, you know, hey, thank you for your interest. Mm-hmm. You know, you sound good. We don't have an opening. Right. I even sent some here to Illinois. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, and I knew, of course, I'd grown up with Jim Turpin, right? Uh, who did the games for many years, and Larry Stewart before that. If you go back far enough, yeah. And so I had sent a tape, and they, you know, obviously our positions failed, and so I just poked around different things, and uh, then I wound up uh, getting two interviews in the fall of '97. I had sent out some basketball tapes, and uh, I got a I got a response from the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, they called me down for an interview, and I oh, was man. like, I was like runner up there, and then I got an interview with the Texas Rangers. Yeah, for baseball, and I got an interview there, and I didn't get either job, but I was close. Right, and the managing partner of the Rangers, who I interviewed with, uh, he said, "Just keep plugging away. You're gonna mm-hmm. get a, you're gonna get a job because yeah. your stuff's good enough." Right, um, and then um, which is a good, uh, which is a good. Kids need to sure. Yeah. yeah, just keep just keep plugging away. He said, right. "You're gonna do something." And then um, I sent I'd sent out a tape to Anaheim. I'd actually forgotten anything about sending it out there. I just sent them everywhere. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, about a week after the Super Bowl in 1998, I get a call yeah. saying, "Hey, this is so and so with the Angels. We got your tape. We love it. We'd like you to come out for an interview." That's great. And uh, went out for an interview. And um, it, <laughs> interesting story there is I went out and interviewed with the guy, the general manager of the team, or whoever it was that was doing the hiring. At the time I was out there, there was a, what they called an Angels Fan Fest, like a Sox Fest, or a, uh-huh. and so Cardinals, there's all these Cardinals fan, got like the winter warm up. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going around, and and at this place there is a um, there's a little truck, a TV truck, or a little area where you can do play by play of a, a great catch mm-hmm. by Jim Edmonds. As it I turned was, out, that's a question I have right here. But go, yeah. go ahead, yeah. Well, so. Um, it's a play Jim Edmonds made with the Angels when I think it was against Kansas City, and so I was going to ask you if you made that call or not—the one where he's yeah, over his head, over his going, head. Yeah. I did not make that. I, I obviously didn't call. Was the it game. the year before you were there? Probably, probably missed by a year. Or two. Uh, it might have occurred a year or two yeah. earlier. Yeah. But anyway, they put they put they what they did was they would have fans come in and you could record yourself mm-hmm. calling the play. Yeah. And then they would give you a copy of the recording. Right. So the guy said that I was with. It was interviewing me. He said, "Well, go in and just." Show us what you got. And, of Man. course, there's all these people that have no clue uh-huh. that I'm on an interview or they have no clue, yeah. whatever. So I go in there and I just call it like I see it, mm-hmm. you, know, I'm, you know, whatever it was. And I come out and um, the guy looked at one of the other bosses that was there who was doing the hiring as well, mm-hmm. and he goes, hire him. That's awesome. Because they heard it. And so that's <laughs> – So you did get to make that call. Just I did get to make that the call. The call got you hired in a way. Right. Yeah, I did. Wow. That's – Yeah. Because that was one of my questions I was going to ask. 
um, the years you were there, and I was going to see if Edmonds was there when you were. Yeah, he was playing there. Right. Yeah, because yeah, he got traded, I think, in 2000, I believe. Yeah, so, so he was there. Uh, Darren Erstad was there. Anderson Tim, and Salmon yeah, and all Garrett that. Anderson, Tim Salmon. They had a really good team. Yeah. Um, but I got hired. We went to spring training in the spring of 98, and then I was there for 98 and 99. I'm um, sure all the uh, hustle and bustle and traffic's just like it is here in East Central Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> How, I mean, I can't yeah, even imagine. A different, that's it, a whole different world out there. Oh, I know. Yeah. How, what was that? What was that like? Though? I mean, was it a big – how much of a shock was that? Like, as far as just because people don't for a think, small town guy, it was people a, don't think about these athletes too. It's another thing, just getting around, you know, just the day to day, you know, and having mm-hmm. to get to the stadium and get everywhere. Like, I know that I've been out there. I lived in Florida for a few years, and that's a whole other level from here. But LA is a whole other level from Florida, so I can't. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's I can't imagine well, f- getting used to that. Yeah, fortunately, when I was out there, most of the games were at night. And yeah. so I would go into work about every day for the start of batting practice about three. Mm-hmm. And so there weren't a lot of people on the – there weren't people heading the direction I was heading right. at yeah. three o'clock. I was going against the traffic. Yeah. And then by the time the game was over, yeah, it was 11 o'clock at night or 11.30, mm-hmm. depending on the start time, and there was hardly – there wasn't a lot of traffic either. So I, I avoided the day-to-day yeah. um, – grinder of trying to go to work every day through traffic right i had the benefit of working against the working against the schedule but but uh, that was um that was a wonderful experience uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of pressure yeah because sure. you're uh, who were you who was in the booth with you a guy named mario and pemba was my uh was with me we had two play-by-play guys we didn't have a color guy Oh, so we gotcha. would each we would each do well, the first year he did. Well, I guess uh, radio is usually like that. I guess. Yeah, so. he did. Uh, he did six innings and I did three. Yeah. And in in Los Angeles, it was a little unique because uh, Vin Scully, of course, doing the Dodgers for many years, did the games by himself. Yeah. Okay. Now later he had some other guys come in. Charlie Sh- uh, Steiner. Steiner came in. Rick Monday was there, but for a lot of years um, he would do the games alone. Yeah, and so the Angels kind of copied that in that there wouldn't be any, like like right now me and Dion we interact on the air all the time, mm-hmm. or me and Martin O'Donnell over the years interacted right. over the air. They didn't want us interacting over the air. It was basically Mario did his innings, right. and I did mine. Yeah. Well, the next year they changed that, uh, where we were both kind of each other's color guy. It was kind of a two man team. Gotcha. But we didn't have a major league baseball player or a former player in there with us. Right. And so I think that was the reason after a couple of years they were like, okay, we want to try something else because yeah. we've got two play-by-play guys. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of the junior member of that, right. of that group, and so I got let go. Yeah. You know, hey, we love your work. We'll do anything for you, but right. we're going a different direction. I'm yeah. Like, okay. Um, but those two years were, um, you know, doing games at Yankee Stadium and oh, Fenway my, Park. and. Um, Is there a uh, – you got to – you got uh, a story or a call. Okay, one thing, too, before I get to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you're calling baseball, do you have uh, – were you a guy that had, like uh, – because, you know, football, basketball, it's more instincts because it's going faster. Mm-hmm. Baseball, did you ever have any uh, – not, you know, like, not like calls, like I this is my home run call, this is this call, this mm-hmm. is or, – or whatever. Because, or, or, you know, you have more time to think of things, I guess, mm-hmm. in baseball rather than uh, – yeah. Using your instincts, did you have things like that, or did you just call what you saw? Or well, you baseball, you do a lot more prep, yeah, um, storytelling, recapping, yeah, um, discussing issues of the day when it comes to Major League Baseball or mm-hmm. games. You know, things around baseball. Yeah, it's more of a. I do that too. I try to sync up John Rooney a lot of times uh-huh. with the Cardinal games. You know, things too. Yeah, it's more of a conversation yeah. now. The game is speeded up now a little bit because yeah. you know with the pitch clock and everything, so you don't have as much of that. But on the way here, we were listening to the Cardinals. I was trying to explain to my wife. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was. Uh, we had, there was a guy on first, and some, they tried to they, they threw over twice, and Rooney explained how uh, you know you only get one more throw over there now. Yeah, it's change the rules. So I was trying to explain that to her, and that was kind of a mess. She's, she, she didn't quite pick yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I, I don't. You know, them speed up the game. That's a whole other. Yeah, but, the, but, but there's yeah. much more of a. You know, you know, here's the wind, the stretch, and the pitch. It's high ball one. Right. And then okay, now filler, now what? Yeah, just you kind know, of shoot the breeze a little and bit. And then too. you know, hey, in his last start, so and so threw six and two thirds innings, and yeah, you know, there's just a lot of stuff you can throw in there. And here's the wind and the one one pitch. Right. Little outside ball two. Or, yeah. 
you know, here's a throw to first, runner back. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so you're weaving the you're you're sitting there having a conversation with a listener basically, and you're weaving in action as you go. Yeah, right. So there's you know, and and I think it helps me in my basketball or football play by play because I know that especially with baseball, people are tuning in and out. Yeah. Like you were listening to the Cardinal game, you're probably going to do this and you go back and listen to it again. Yeah. So you've missed maybe two or three innings right. while you've been doing this, and then it's John Rooney's job or whoever's doing it to kind of recap, recap for yeah. you as to, okay, so that when you get back in your car, where are we? Mm-hmm. Who's ahead? And so I do that a lot, I think, in basketball and football just because there's more scoring, yeah. especially basketball especially last night. Yes. But um, but I think it's people – got to remember that people aren't, like, glued to every word you're saying yeah. for three hours. Gotta keep on you've got to just kind of keep – hey, if you've just joined us, yeah. you know, this happened. Uh, Illinois was down by five at the 10-minute mark. They went on a 15-2 to two run. They've grabbed right. the lead. Just kind of give a shorthand, with radio, here's with, where we are. With radio, there's a lot and, more. And radio, there's recapping. a lot more chance to yeah. do that. TV, they can – right. TV's a different animal. We can talk about that. But yeah. but basically, um, the two years in Anaheim were, were fantastic. I enjoyed the experience immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, I did realize how much pressure there is and how everybody wants that job. I yeah. did learn oh, yeah. that. Um, and that was a little shocking to me. Somebody had told me about that. That well, That's why you should you, feel you know. so good. About, I mean, you're actually, <laughs> actually doing it. I mean, that's just it's, it's crazy. There's yeah. Those jobs don't grow on trees, you know, right. so to be able to – do yeah, that for I had years. the sense there were some. I think when I showed up in Anaheim, and I'd been in Oklahoma City, and here I am, this little, you know, farm kid from in Tolono, Illinois. Yeah. It's like, well, who's that? Yeah. Where'd they get this guy? Yeah, but once you, you know, start doing it, yeah, and people would say, yeah. you know, hey, you're doing a good job. But there were a lot of people too that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure in a market that size, you're right. like, well, you know, where do we get, you know, where do we find this guy? Yeah. You know, and oh, he does a good job, but you know, I could do it better. You right. know, there's just. There was much more of that than I anticipated. The guy and, that you were in the booth with, that name didn't ring a bell. Just, mm-hmm. Was he? Uh, um, how long was he their play-by-play guy? Like uh, he was there be- from yeah '95 to about I don't know if it was '01 yeah or '02. He left to be and went on to be the TV voice for the Tigers. Oh, gotcha. Uh, for Detroit for many years, um, and and then. Um, he was he got let go from that job, and then the last I think five years Matt Shepard did it, and now Jason Benetti's taken over. Yeah. So he was a couple of guys before Jason Benetti in Detroit. He was a really good announcer, solid guy, became a good friend. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know we spent a lot of time together right. for sure. Um. Okay, so now we get to after Anaheim. You if you you can briefly tell everybody how. What brought you back here, and then we can start. Mm-hmm. Then we can start getting the fun Illinois stuff. Okay. Well, uh, after Anaheim, they told me my contract wasn't renewed. the uh, The guy in uh, Oklahoma City that owned the um, at the time owned the Montreal Expos, who yeah. are now the Washington Nationals, of course. Uh, he had told me over the years that if you ever, if if I ever need an announcer, if you're ever available, I'll hire you where I'm where I'm at. Yeah, because his goal was to own a major league team, and my job was to get my goal was to get to the big leagues. So, right. and he liked my work in Oklahoma City. So, um, I, I called him right after the Angels let me go, and I said, "Hey, I'm available." And he said, "I'll hire you." Yeah. So he was going to hire me in Montreal. He had just taken over the uh, ownership of the team, and one of the things he wanted to change because the Expos were struggling at the time, which is why they wound up moving to right to oh, Washington. Yeah. yeah. Because they just attendance was way down. There wasn't a ton around of interest two th- around two thousand. Yeah, so all the yeah it, it, Walker what, Grissom, all those guys are long gone. They were long gone. Yeah, and so what it what had been happening is the 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 team, the Montreal Expos, were paying the radio station to mm-hmm. be on the air, oh, a certain gotcha. amount of money, and they had a French broadcast and an English broadcast because heavily French up there too. Yeah, and um, he said, well, what I'm trying to do, he told me, is I'm trying to get the the radio stations to pay me. Not the other way around. It's not the best. And so they got into a dispute, <laughs> yeah. a fight, and the radio station was like, we're not doing that. Why yeah. should we pay you? You know. Uh-huh. And so as it turned out, the job kind of fell through because he was in a legal argument with them. Uh-huh. And he, he told me, called me one time. He said, you're going to have to probably look for something else. Yeah. So I moved back here to Champaign uh, because I didn't want to really live in California. Yeah. Uh, with, I had two young daughters, and I didn't want to um, stay out there. Right. 
and try to make it in expensive California. So yeah. that, well, I'll come home here and I'll mm-hmm. I'll look for work here. And so um, as it turned out, I I applied. I thought, well, I I sent I filled out a, an application at the News Gazette downtown. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, turned it in, thinking, well, I could at least deliver the paper for a while or something, mm-hmm. you know, until I get back on my feet a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, I got a call the next day from Stevie J, uh, who was working here at WDWS and right. uh, was the general manager by then. So, and he, Stevie, so he was here before 93. He, he was here, yeah. He'd yeah. worked at WLRW in town, and then he moved yeah. to WDWS and been on the air for a long time and gotcha. worked his way up. And then he was the general manager. And they were going through a lot of changes uh, Jim Turpin had retired as the general manager. They went through a handful of GMs, and then they hired Stevie. So Jim Turpin not only called Illinois, he was the general manager. Of the general, yeah, he was gotcha. the GM of the, <laughs> which I can't even imagine doing. Yeah, I didn't, being the I didn't know that. GM of a radio yeah. station, uh, and doing the games, and doing the Penny for Your Thoughts show. Yeah, he did all of that. Um, and so um, Stevie said, "Well, you know, um, I don't have anything right now, but you're hired." Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, what does that mean? Kind of a Swiss so, Army knife. Yeah, and yeah. so then, for, then he hired me to do some part-time work for him at WDWS, and then the, he added me to the morning show on the WDWS, mm-hmm. and and he said, "Do you want to read news?" And I was like, "Well, I guess I can read news. I'm reading news on the air since college, but right. sure, I'll I'll do that." Yeah. So I got started that way. It was part of the morning show for several years with him, uh, and he got on the air with Mike Hale as well on mm-hmm. the on the Light Rock side and. And uh, but anyway, in those early years, I was on the air with Stevie for a couple of years, and then Jim Turpin was about to retire, and then he retired in uh, '02. Yep. And uh, the the folks at the University of Illinois, Ron Gunther, and those folks approached me and said, "Hey, yeah, would you be interested in being our new play-by-play guy?" And I was right. like, "Well, absolutely. That's yeah, that's awesome. you know, I had want I had I had thought about coming here. I didn't think the job would ever be open, frankly." Yeah, um, I, I, Jim had done it forever, and I wasn't going to be here anyway, and it didn't really matter. Right. But then when I was here and working at the station where the games are on, I thought, well, let's uh, oh, let's do it. So absolutely. I mean, I wasn't going to turn that down for yeah. sure. So got here at a good time too, with the team wise yeah. success. Um, so uh, you had uh, who was it? It was Bardo first. Is that who you were p- paired up with with basketball? And then yeah, and then Jerry Hester. Yeah, started with Stephen yeah. Bardo. He had Stephen had just come on to uh, start working with Jim Turpin. Yeah, um, and Lauren Tate, Lauren had, Tate been, just, had been with Jim for many years, right. and 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 Lauren was starting to get out of it, or you know they wanted to make a, a do something different there. So they kind of kept Lauren on as a pre-game or halftime, post-game guest kind of thing, and then they hired Stephen Bardo. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when Jim retired, then I took over, and, and I still had uh, Stephen with me. All right. And then Lauren Tate as well. Yeah. So it was kind of a three-man team in a way. Right. And so we were all there, you know, 02, Bill Self, you know, start of the Bruce Weber era, the yeah. 04, 05. And then uh, Steven was starting to do a lot of um, – he had been hired up at CBS uh, Channel 2 in Chicago, did some right. sports up there. And then he started doing a lot of ESPN games. Yeah. And then it became apparent that he just couldn't commit. Right full-time to Illinois, mm-hmm. so uh, we hired Jerry Hester then to take his place. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that was about 06, I think, 06, oh, 07. I got to talk about Hester, too, here in a little bit because I have a little story about him. But um, one thing I was going to ask, too, uh, with football, um, you're going to be uh, – you're going to have a new partner here this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of curious the process of uh, breaking in a new partner, like what the – Challenges are how you prepare, you know, with a new partner, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the process that goes into getting ready, get your chemistry down as much as you can mm-hmm. before the game start and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, because that'll be happening here, right? So, yeah, yeah. Well, I started with uh, when I took over, Jim Grabowski. Yeah, was yep. uh, uh, it was interesting because the first game football game I did for Illinois, um, and I'd like I said, I'd been doing high school football for a few years, but I hadn't done it in a while. It had mm-hmm. been a few years since when I was with the Angels and coming back. And and uh, the first game of the 2000 football season, Jim wasn't feeling good. He was having some health issues right. at the time. And so I had literally just gotten back from California, I don't know, five months earlier, mm-hmm. whatever, in, in April or May. And the first game was at San Diego State. Yeah. So I go out there and they say, "Well, you will have you fill in for Jim." 
And, um, you know, it was like, well, it's been a while since I've done a football game, but yeah. absolutely, I'm going to do this. Right. And I did okay. I mean, I, th- I thought it was okay. Um, yeah. And I could have done better, but I, I was doing the best I can. One, I was scared to death because yeah. I was, you know, taking over, filling in for, you know, a guy who had been doing it for a long time. Right. And two, working with Jim Grabowski and wanting to do a good job. And, and uh, so, you know, it was – and the San Diego State wore these awful uniforms. You couldn't read the numbers. Right. I mean, it was it was uh, kind of pieced together. Yeah. But they they loved it. They thought it was, sounded good, and they you know I think they were impressed with my yeah approach to calling the game. And and by my standards, it wasn't what I, what I thought it should be, but it was okay. Yeah, I will um, say this: that, that's how you know you're better than most is when you don't think it's you know like when you yourself when you see yourself you don't think it's very good, but everybody else thinks it's yeah. good. So like your level is is higher than everybody else in your mind. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, yeah like if, if you do something and they're like, I don't think I did very good, but everybody else thought it was really good, then, yeah, yeah that's how you know you're one of the best. So, uh, and, and I was, you know, I I just was trying to hang in there and do the best I could yeah. on that. I filled in for Jim a couple other times that year for over the couple of years and then a couple basketball games here and there. Yeah. Um, and then it, when he retired, then, of course, um, Grabowski did the football with me for a few years. And then he retired, and then we then we looked about I think it was about '07 somewhere in there, uh, right before the Rose Bowl year, maybe right right ahead of it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Grabowski stepped down, and so then we went did some searching, and then they interviewed some people, and uh, we hired Howard Griffith. Right. And, and so Howard was hired. We announced it. Howard Griffith's our new color guy, and then two weeks later, he got hired by the Big Ten. Right. And of course, and then, he's he's still there. Yes. <laughs> All these years later. And then Kittner was Kittner, kind of yeah. our other candidate that mm-hmm. we came in the final two or three. Yeah, I thought I I enjoyed yeah listening to him. I, mean, I thought he did a really good job. Mm-hmm. So he was good. It brought a quarterback perspective, you yep. know, and had a, a lot of success. And I didn't realize that Griffith how Griffith got it. Yeah, first. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, that. he had it first. Had about two weeks. Yeah, and then we and Kittner did it for several years, and then he wanted to step aside uh, for his be with his family at a young family. And uh, and then Martin O'Donnell had been doing the uh, post game call in yeah. show, excuse me, on our local station here at WDWS, and so he'd been on the air for several years. So it was it was kind of a no brainer. Like, yeah. okay, we got a guy right here, mm-hmm. let's do it. And of course, over the last nine years, he's he's been spectacular, right? Uh, doing the games with me, but now he's reached the point Kurt did, yeah, where it was like, hey, I want to spend some time with my family on Saturdays, and and so uh, yeah, we'll start. We'll start looking here soon, yeah. And uh, we, you know, we got some names in mind of people that I think would be good to consider, and whether they can do it or not, or what their schedule allows right. is a whole other matter. But but basically, what I've tried to—you asked your original question about um, how I basically have worked with my color commentators—is you know, I'll tell you the what, where, and when. Mm-hmm. You tell me the how and why. Right. You know yeah. how this is working, why this is working, why it's not working. Yeah. And just kind of start there. But will you, Mike, meet with them and do, like, a, do you guys do, a, like, a trial run? You know, do you call, like, call things beforehand? Or is, like, the, the first game of the year, will that be the first time you guys have done a game together? Or do you it's pr- usually pr- a, practice beforehand? Or is no, not really. To, yeah. yeah, I mean, the only practice there might be is, a, like, a spring game. Right, yeah. You know, where you kind of get a feel for it, which is not really a game game, but it's, you know, enough yeah. action to kind of give you a feel for each other. But, no, the first game, we – yeah. We were ready to go. Right. And um, I think, um, I mean, Martin, I knew would he would do well. And he and he just he just grew into, yeah. you know, an outstanding color guy. But yeah. but we just divvy, I just divvied up like that. Same way with basketball. I, mm-hmm. You know, when I was with Jerry Hester and then Dion and Doug and, and, um, and, and, you know, you just tell me, you guys played at this level. Right. I didn't. I don't know what it's like to be yeah. in the huddle. I don't know what it's like to be blocking a 300-pound defensive end. I have no idea. Right. But they do. Martin yep. does. You know, Kurt Kittner, I had no idea what it's like to have a blitz coming at you. Mm-hmm. But he did. Yeah. So he can explain the game, the how and the why, so much better than I can. Right. I mean, I, I've watched football my whole life. I get right. the sport, but I don't know the intricacies of the middle of a heated battle like yeah. they do. This and part, so just yeah. trying to get them to – try and have, trying to help them and, and what basically – have them explain to the fans in a way mm-hmm. that's understandable that here's what happened right. and here's why. Like being up against a break, though, just things like that, does it take somebody time just to – well, because – well, this is more TV, I think. But uh, 
you know, somebody will be in their ear, like you got 15 seconds to say what you're going to say. And then we got to go, you know, yeah. things like that. Like, does that take time to, uh, to, uh, get used to and things like that? Like, well, you get, you get practiced at it, but right. it, it's, you know, you know that there's going to be certain when the, when the guy with the red hat comes out, there's a timeout, Yeah, you know, so you got to wrap it up. Yeah. TV is a little different animal because the producer in the truck is in charge. Right. Uh, on the radio, you're in charge. Yeah, there's a little difference. Yes, there's a yes. little difference, and but you know, obviously, you know that our engineer, you know Ed Bond, for years, mm. you know, will watch the Red Hat guy, and when he comes out, Still he'll tell you, "Let's take a break." Yeah, you know, and so you go to break. Right. Uh, TV, there's there's like a hard yes. You know, yeah. they're counting down, they're showing video, they're right. showing a highlight, and they're going to break, and you're done. So right. you'll be. Uh, on TV, you'll have, and I've done some work for BTN over the years, several years ago now, but, you know, you have a producer in your ear counting down yeah. five, four, while you're finishing your sentence, you're hearing a guy right. talk in your ear. Radio, but, but, but radio, you, radio, you don't just, have that. Just you no, doing, it's just you. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're the guy. You're the boss. So. Yeah. Because, um, you know, even the Super Bowl, just this past year, Romo's catching a little heat for talking through that last, you know, just things like that. Yeah. I wondered if that was – yeah. Something that ever happens. But, um, okay, let's see here. I've done the Anaheim stuff. See mm-hmm. my chicken scratch here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when uh, – here. I was going to ask, too, uh, if um, – okay, this is what I was going to ask you. There's a caveat to this question, though. I wanted, like, a couple of your I'll – just, I'll just have you say two. Two uh, favorites – uh, games, moments, whatever, calling Illinois basketball, but you're not allowed to use the 05 season <laughs> and you're not allowed to use the Tyler Griffey layup. Okay. Other than those two? Right. So what would you say? Uh, it could be a game, a call, a moment, or whatever it is, but maybe mm. uh, give me a couple of your favorites with the basketball. Uh, with basketball? Yeah. Well, let me think. Um, I would say... 05 is way too easy. Yeah, 05 is way too easy. Final four was unbelievable. Um, the Louisville game and so forth. Yeah, I mean, you got to call a national. You got to call game. a national championship game. Yeah, yeah, that was that was cool. Yeah, um, I would say some of those early years with Bill Self, um, you know, going to Maui. I think those have been really cool. Yeah, I've been out to Maui four times now. Um, that tournament is awesome. Doing games from there, um, it's interesting because you're doing a game in the middle of the day. And it's like ten o'clock or eleven right. o'clock back home. Yeah. So that's kind of kind of a fun sensation. I've been able to, you know, we did games in Padre Island. Uh, we've done games in Las Vegas. Um, I remember a game. You know, I forget what year it was. Oh one, oh two, somewhere in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, I was filling in for Jim. Uh, Illinois was playing in the in a high school gym. Greg uh, Greg Maddox's old high school, I think, oh, in really? Las Vegas. Big big high school gym, but tournament was in there and we made it to the championship game against southern illinois and yeah. bruce weber was coaching southern illinois i think i remember that and uh i think sean harrington hit a big shot in that game and we won i just remember thinking who's this coach out there that won't stay off the floor yeah and it was bruce weber <laughs> yeah and uh, and of course later we wound up you know working with him and mm-hmm. being friends with him so so that was interesting to uh to do i think the um the you know the Big Ten championship game against or the game we won the Big Ten title against Iowa. That's right. probably just a, that whole day was surreal with uh, you know Nebraska the last place team taking out Wisconsin uh-huh. in Madison uh, totally unexpected and then the rest of the afternoon it was like a it was like a explosion of energy yeah. you know as people saw that result and then knowing you could if you could beat Iowa you could win right. a share of the Big Ten. That whole day was pretty surreal. So yeah, I remember that and the rushing of the court and um, COVID for a different reason. Um, yeah. We did, oh, did of course the home games we did to in an empty arena. Yeah, road games we did calling them off a TV screen. Yeah, at Biafelt. Does that feel like? Uh, so, well, I don't know. Sometimes it, to me it feels like that was twenty years ago, but other yeah. times it feels like I don't know. But yeah, I wouldn't want to do that again. You guys were talking. Oh, I think. One of the things when I was looking you up, researching you a little bit, there was a YouTube one where it was you and Dion, and I think it was his pod actually or something. But you got it was right in right after all that because mm-hmm. I remember you talking about Plumbers would have been like what twenty. It, it was the year that I first year I was left. Cabrera was supposed to be a sophomore, I think, yeah. So whatever you know. But uh, you guys were talking about that, and 
my brain can't even go back to that hardly just thinking about everything being empty and mm-hmm. quite, you know I so I can't imagine uh, that was hard calling games yeah calling game off a of TV is not yeah. ideal yeah um, and but we did now we made the best we could out of it and I thought and we were know. good so it's like you're, those oh, it was a good team really important games yeah with not yeah with no noise it's just yeah. no noise uh, what we tried to do is we we were able to uh, the engineers that would work for the teams we were playing yeah would send us an audio feed yeah and even though it there was no crowd. There was some noise, and whatever. If there was a place that had a crowd or a very small crowd, you at least have some crowd pipe noise, some, yeah. and they would pipe in mm-hmm. crowd noise, basically. Yeah, which made it sound realistic enough that we were actually there. Right. And I, in fact, I had several people that year that said, "I didn't know you weren't there." Yeah, that you weren't in Michigan or you weren't in wherever. Right. Which is good, but which is good, but yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, the people actually as, working as, it. I can't as imagine. Jim Turbin told me uh, that year. He said, uh, "Don't get too good at that, or that's what they'll want to do." True. Going forward, so yeah, so yeah, yeah I wouldn't want to live through that again. Yeah, and it yeah, it was just bizarre. I remember sitting there, and that was we were uh, rolling pretty good there that year that the tournament got canceled and. Yeah, probably would have had a five, six seed somewhere in there, but we're playing mm-hmm. well. And that was a great game too. The the Kofi block on Garza at the end of the game. Yeah, that was great. That I, was. Uh, and the one, well, here I got a question coming up where I'll break this guy up. But um, yeah, that year was bizarre. But um, real quick too, I just, I just thought about this. So like a so like a game because you're busy traveling, traveling, traveling. Uh, let's say so you guys. You're going to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. so like, what's a what's a day like leading up to a game look like for you? Like, are you uh, what time do you get this? Just like, honestly, your kind of routine like on a game mm-hmm. day, like on the road. So mm-hmm. just uh, when you get there and prep and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, well, my prep like for the we got a game with Wisconsin this weekend. Assuming football, already, I'm assuming football is much more thorough. Yeah, football is much more thorough. Yes, uh, basketball it takes me two to three hours to get a score sheet ready. Yeah. Um, I've already been working on Wisconsin this week, so I'm already ahead. In fact, I've printed off material for Purdue. Yeah. So I try to work about a game ahead. Right. Um, the Minnesota game, of course, is just completed. So, uh, But I've got my Wisconsin score sheet about half done already. Yeah. Uh, just looking up, you know, every team has game notes. And so I've gone through online all of Wisconsin's notes and made notes on each of their players. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the guys they have. So I'm basically over half done. Yeah. Um, I'll go home today and get ready. Tomorrow we leave. I think our f- our flight's at five-something. Yeah. Uh, and it's only about a 45-minute flight to Madison. Right. So we'll go up there. Um, this year, not every coach has done it this way, and it varies year to year. But, you know, this year they'll go from the, the airport to the arena, mm-hmm. get everybody off the bus, put up a few shots. Nothing yeah. really organized other than just shoot. Yeah. And then they'll pack up, go back to the hotel, and have a team dinner. They'll mm-hmm. watch their film. I've watched some of that. Um, it's interesting. You yeah, know, are, this, you, are, you around, are you around the team while oh, this yeah. is going on? Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, in the same in the dining room watching film with them. So you get to hear coach. Yeah, <laughs> talk about and talk about you know the they they have all the players you know uh, you know talking about the scouting report and what right, this yeah. guy does well and what he doesn't do well and mm-hmm. and so forth and. And then they'll, uh, you know, that's it for dinner, and uh, they'll wrap it up for the night. And then the next day, depending on the time of the game, uh, usually the visiting team gets to shoot around first. Yeah. So if it's a 6 o'clock game, you might get to shoot around at 11 Mm a.m. So you go back over. They'll do their final scouting report prep, what they call a walkthrough, basically, shoot around. Yep. Uh, Brad Underwood's are different than most teams. His are a little more full tilt. Are they? Other yeah. coaches uh, would walk through, literally right. walk through uh, what the other team runs. Yeah. Um, if you're at a really early game, um, you know, sometimes they'll have to do the walkthrough in a ballroom mm-hmm. at the hotel right. where they put down the free throw line and the lane and yeah. walk through the plays that the other team's going to run to kind of get a last-minute scouting I a, report. I was a varsity coach, and one time I had to use the library. I was mm-hmm. moving desks around for the other team and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just same, whatever, whatever they'll Same get idea. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to do that. We had to do that at Tennessee. The game was early, Tennessee time this mm-hmm. last year and uh, this season. So we didn't really get to shoot around. That was one of the few times we haven't been able to at least get to the arena. That didn't have anything to do with Tennessee? Just with, the, the, with. Like not – I mean, you got 
us, us not getting to shoot before the game? No, it's just, just uh, the home team has a certain time they're going to shoot, right. and you're kind of at the mercy of what yeah. time they want to do it. Gotcha. So you try to work on it. Like when teams come to Champaign. No, to no the, gamesmanship or anything. Well, just, yeah. Just <laughs> when, when, the, when, the, when the teams come to State Farm Center, they usually shoot in the morning. Right. Like Minnesota would have shot, yeah. you know, uh, whatever that was, Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. uh, and we shoot in the afternoon. So, I mean, the home team sets the – right. Yeah. You know, whatever the home team, if they're whatever team the home team's going to wear the uniform, well, then the other team right Swords reacts accordingly. Mm-hmm. So, so there's there's an advantage to being at home for sure. But then you know, like in Wisconsin, and we'll do the shoot around, go back four hours. They always eat four hours before every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that meal, uh, interview uh, Underwood will come down. We'll do our pregame interview. Right. I usually interview an assistant coach, Chester mm-hmm. or Jeff or Tyler Underwood or whoever's doing the scout for guys, that day. You guys always talk to the. You usually talk to the radio guy from the other. Usually talk yeah. to the radio guy from the other team. That can either be live or taped, depending on what their how long their show is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of work on all that, and then sit down and our our local pregame here in Champaign on our two stations here. Yeah, uh, starts two hours before game, and then our network pregame starts an hour. And gotcha. Yeah, and then you tip off and you go. There you're off off so, to the races. Yeah. Um, can you put your fan hat on for just a second? Mm-hmm. Okay. If you have a, uh, let's say you have a Mount Rushmore of your fav- your favorite Illinois players, basketball players. Uh, if you do, oh, if, wow. if they have to be before you, uh, we're calling games, so you're not showing any, whatever favoritism or the can be okay. or whatever. But oh, I know I can. And then I'll, I'll I, I might give mine too. See how close. Yeah. See if we got it. Yeah. Well, early because I went to games early when I was a kid. Nick Weatherspoon was probably right. my favorite player. Yeah, growing up in the early seventies, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he was fantastic. Eddie Johnson was a favorite. Yeah, of course, hit the game-winning shot against Michigan State, and uh, I was there for that. Was mm-hmm. in the stands. Um, Derek Harper was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, uh, of course, the flying Illini. Any of those guys, right? Uh, are a favorite. Kendall Gill, Nick Anderson, particularly, I think. Yeah, um, you know, Dion was a favorite. Of course, and getting to work with him now. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Kaufman. I thought was a really fun player to watch. Yeah, um, Jerry Hester, who I also wound up working with, I thought was a fun yeah. player. Um, you get into the, you know, Brian Cook was fabulous. Uh, Lucas Johnson was a whole lot of mm-hmm. fun to watch. That group had a lot of guys. They had a lot of guys that were really good. That, that's that the Arizona old, game. Yeah, the, the the Elite Eight team gets overlooked a lot, how, they, how good they were, because they were really good. Yes. Um, and then, of course, anybody on the 05 team, you know, Darren and Dee and Luther and Roger mm-hmm. and James, I mean, they were uh, – that team is unique unto itself. I would, I would say DJ Richardson was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Nana Egwu was an interesting player. I always right. enjoyed his work ethic and how hard he worked. Yeah. Um, Trying to think, and then of course the current guys. I mean, it, uh, sincere Harris is a is a funny, yeah. you know, great sense of humor, young man, always a big smile. Right. Uh, enjoy being around and him. He's gonna and, he's gonna have a big have to really cut in there next year. Yeah, too. yeah. I think uh, Quincy Garrier's just got a young, young child. He's a fun guy to be around. Marcus Damas, Luke Goody. It's a good group. The, I, um, it is. I yeah. Old this, mature. This group, has, this group has the since the old five team. Is the most connected offensively I've seen. Yeah, and I, agree. I think the uh, Ken Palm and all the efficiency numbers kind of show that. Right. But off the court too, this team really likes each other. Yeah. There have been years where um, guys tolerated each other. Yeah. Very you know, recently. And, yeah, <laughs> and tolerated, and even in the I think even in the team that won the Big Ten, you know, it was yeah. it was a struggle that year right. because we had guys hurt. Mm-hmm. We had you know, there was no flow to anything. Right. And to Brad Underwood's credit, you know, he pieced together a Big Ten champion out of all that. Right. So, but this year, this this group has they really enjoy each other. They have a lot of fun together. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's and it kind of shows up on the court, I think. Right. I, yeah. As far from a fan's perspective, this group, I. I I've liked some, you know a lot because but it's they're old and experienced and uh, mm-hmm. pretty mature and but uh, yeah we talk about this team forever but my okay some of mine Darren's my favorite mm-hmm. um, and I like that team I love I love that team obviously but uh, Darren was you know I, I like those one the guys that just kind of let their play do mm-hmm. they're talking yep. and and uh, he was. Just kind of a quiet, but but uh, put his foot on your throat and kind of a killer, you know. But he also uh, 
quiet type too, you know, yeah. just, and, and it was obvious that he was what made that team go. Cause he was the third pick of the draft right. next year, you know, right. but also, uh, Hester is legit on my Mount Rushmore, uh, of all time because, uh, my first memory of him, he was a senior. I was a freshman, but uh, the, the topper, do you remember the topper classic in Danville? Like they used to have this topper classic and it was like Chicago Farragut, Chicago King, mm. Peoria Manual. Okay. And, um, there was a class A division and a double A division, but this was in the mid nineties. This is, you weren't around at that time, but, uh, Peoria Manual was in it and they were playing Chicago King and Chicago King had that Richard Griffith and yep. Thomas Hamilton. They're both over seven feet and Hester did the mm. spin move on the baseline and dunked on one of them and just jogged back down the floor. Like nothing <laughs> happened, you know? And I was just like, that's, yeah. that's my guy. And he's another one who's just was great, but quiet. And, uh, and then from the, uh, another guy that, was one of my favorites is uh, Felice. I loved him. Yeah, yeah, he was a good one too. Yes, he's yeah. one that I, I really wish would have had a chance to play the tournament. But it was that year that you know when COVID happened and right. there was a tournament. But I, I thought that uh, every good team needs a guy like that. You know, yeah. I thought we had a team that could have made our deep run that year. Yeah, and and, and it was a lot of it was him. You know, just intangibles and I. He's a guy I wish would you know. He seems like somebody that could be a coach. You know, mm-hmm. maybe when he gets done playing. But yeah. Um. Hester, though those those old topper classics, Kevin Garnett was in them, and <laughs> we were in the Class A division, and yeah. we played. They moved us up to play manual my uh, sophomore junior year mm-hmm. or junior no sophomore junior year. But I got Sergio McLean guarding me. You know, I'm just and I was about a <laughs> buck sixty, and yeah. coach, I can't get open very well. But but it was really cool. But th- that yeah. th- that whole thing back then was a amazing thing. But Hester, Darren Williams, Felice. And then anybody from flying line, I probably Kenny Battle. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a good list. Yeah. I was left-handed, so so was he. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question, and then we'll I'll let you go here. Um, let's say you can call any uh, sport, any venue. You're the play-by-play guy. You can have any color analyst, dead or alive. What would the game be, and who would you pick to oh, call it wow. with you? Yeah, that's. Wow. <laughs> your, um... Oh. Yeah. There we go. Well, whatever we got cut off, but the, okay. but the actual okay, this won't get cut off. But the. all right, um, boy, that's hard. Have a color guy. Um, I I would say um, I wouldn't mind doing a game with Troy Aikman, for instance. I think he'd be yeah, he's great. I think he'd be great. Uh, once one particular place, place I've never been, or place. No, I'm just uh, a game. I mean, like the. I mean, I mean, like if a Super Bowl or national. Oh, I, probably a World Series game or a yeah. big game like that. Probably, I would think. Is there uh, somebody if you're calling a World Series uh, color analyst that you? Uh... Steve Stone, maybe. Yeah. I think that'd be. I think he had to keep Perry in line all those years. So he you did. Know, he's, yeah, yeah, I think that'd be a good one. Speaking of guys, I was thinking of him whenever you're talking about having conversation in between pitches and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I was that made me think of Harry Carey, but yeah. Yeah, Steve Stone's great, but yeah, and I, I actually have done games, minor league games, with Joe Buck. Oh, really? Yeah, back when he was in the Louisville, he was the number two announcer there as a young guy, awesome. just yeah. coming up, and uh, so I was doing the games by myself then in Oklahoma City, and really, we traveled to Louisville, and I had nine innings to fill, and so I'd have Joe come down and sit in with me, and we'd do innings together. Really? So, oh, that's great. So that was fun. That's a pretty cool memory. Oh yeah, he's yeah he's yeah, he's uh, done well. Yeah. Well, and that wasn't a nepotism situation. That was just he's great. Oh, he's good. His dad's yeah, great. I, I, he's great. I thought at the time, it didn't matter if people yeah. think that's what it is. Yeah, he's it's just, ridiculous. He's just yeah. really good. Yeah, so. he's, those two are yeah. great. But been spoiled as Cardinal fans having great. Yeah. And good segue. We're spoiled as Illinois fans to have you calling games. So, well, um, I appreciate that. I told my wife, I'm always worried you're going to get out of here and go do something national but for now like we just got to appreciate having you so but. well no i appreciate that very much and i uh, i grew up here so this is you know the Illini are my team that's yeah. a little different than coming in you know when I, and i had a great time in anaheim but i didn't know much about the angels before right. i went out there i mean it was like oh okay yeah. well this is the team i'm for now but but the illinois uh, thing runs really really deep and and i'm getting older now so i'm you know 
national aspirations. If I was going to be hired nationally, that yeah. would have happened ten years ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I'm getting now. They're you know the Jason Benetti's, who's a terrific broadcaster. Yeah, he is. And yeah. uh, you know, Connor Onion does some games mm-hmm. now. He's an up and comer. Yeah. And and what's fun about those guys is, and I'm so happy for them because. Those were guys that sent me their work to listen to. Oh, really? To be critiqued. Yeah. You know, and I've watched them. You know, kind of gave them some Mm -hmm. advice. Full circle. And and, and they were gonna they were gonna do well anyway. But it was you know was it's cool to know them at that level and then have them kind of blossom into yeah really good broadcasters. And so that's uh, yeah, it's very cool. I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. This was hey, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. And um, I. uh, Again, this is, um, I hope that maybe we can, you know, like me, like I told you, I was trying to, when I first started doing this, you know, like my, I kind of wanted to make the, where I am at kind of a destination for people to come, but I'm like, uh, I will pick up and go anywhere to yeah. talk to you. And this is, this is good because I need to start doing this kind of stuff. Take it on the road a little bit and sure go to people. So yeah, this was a lot of fun, but well, good. Um, thank you very much. Like I said, we're. Illinois fans are all just thrilled to have you. So um, I will do our sign-off line. My son, he was like five whenever I started this, and I told him, I'm like, what should my sign-off line be? Sign-off line be. So, and he just and he said, uh, that's that. I'm like, all right, that's what I'll do. So Brian Barnhart, thank you very, very much You're for welcome. coming on. And for welcome to Heath Barn, that's that. <laughs>